TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hockey talk, hockey talk, hockey talk. Not the NBA, it's the NHL. It's hockey. Christian Fourier, hockey insider. None of these guys in Boston Sports Talk Radio go to the games. Let the adults talk hockey, Wiggy. You sit over there. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. They always go out and find a kid who's really good to join the team. We need a ringer. We need a Canadian. That's why I played hockey, because, yeah, you either play hockey or you have to go hunt bear. We got a shout-out Razor. We worked on uh, some some screen this summer, so that, uh, that donut's for him. Oh, listen to the Sway Man there. Working in our guy, Andrew Raycroft. He of Nesson and WEEI. It is 1125 straight up, and he joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Razor, good morning, and thank you for the flexibility over a crazy couple of days last week. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. I had a feeling. I had a feeling that Friday I had no chance. So I had actually booked a bunch <laughs> of other things because I just had that sense that's what the Patriots were up to. So, uh, yeah, happy to jump on now. And now that the Belichick sightings are long gone we can officially just talk about a good hockey team rather than a uh, a football team that is suspect well uh talk about how you have shaped uh jeremy swayman into the player that he is today after hearing that compliment at the end of the andrew raycroft hockey talk open oh yeah lots of credit needs to be given to me for what uh for his all-star <laughs> for his entire growing up uh yeah he was uh he was being very kind and, and certainly putting me on the spot with that one so uh he's a great kid well did and, you tell him anything really or you, did you seriously tell him anything or do you guys ever kind of talk shop no well, i jumped on the ice with him in the summer so there was a few times where he had ice and and goalie bob was away in the sun so he's like hey let's do some drills and and hang out so uh we played a little golf and hung out so no i I mean, we did some stuff, but I'm, I definitely didn't give him too many pointers. Just kind of, you know, shot the breeze a little bit with him. So, uh, he's again, he's, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, uh, Razor doesn't want that uh, Dan Orlovsky heat once he said that he was helping Mac Jones. So, it feels like <laughs> Razor's trying to take that half a step back and be like, ah, the kid's well, okay. Yeah, but he went. He actually went on the ice. On the with, ice with him. I don't think Orlovsky ever went out to some football field and said, let's throw balls into the bucket like, you know, like we're doing a fade route. I don't think they ever did that. No, Orlovsky's Orlovsky's just trying to get his nose in the mix, and that's what I'm trying not to do. It's yeah. look like Dan Orlovsky. That's what I'm actually like. Yeah, trying to help, and I'm also picking winners, not Mac Jones too. Whoa! Oh, oh, Shot fired. Jeremy uh, Swayman gets an All Star <laughs> nod, and the next thing you know, here's uh, Razor. 
Woo! He's been feeling that way all along. He just knows it's safe to go in the water <laughs> now. Now he can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what yeah, do you, exactly. Uh, what do you make of uh, some of the, the comments from Jeremy Swayman there, Razor? I know it was kind of unprompted where he talked about arbitration. We know Linus is down right now. Although Swayman did say, hey, that guy's like a Viking. He'll be back soon. He's double tough. So it's not like he threw big lean under the bus. But is Swayman kind of feeling himself a little bit and getting that confidence to where he feels like he can't start to express himself a little bit more? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, he you, he almost always toes the line and does a great job with his interviews and and saying the right thing. And I, I was I I I liked it. I, I in just in the simple fact that uh, it was personal and and we know arbitration in sports is personal to sit in those rooms. Like you said, I think you just called it how it was. I, I think I've, I know guys, my friends have done and sat in those rooms and, and, and it's brutal. And, and it, it, I think his ability to, to let it go and just play his game and, and, you know, separate the two, but, but certainly that came out the other night and uh, I, I don't expect it to be lingering. I don't expect it to happen often. I think it was just kind of, uh, he felt like the the moment could happen then after, you know, he's probably pretty proud of being an all-star. Yeah, and I can easily see him, like, reminiscing back to when he was doing the or going through the arbitration, and they were telling him all the reasons why he wasn't worthy of more money, and then here he is kind of, in a way, getting the last laugh, at least for now, with the all-star nod, right? Exactly, and, and, and that's at the, other, at the other side of it, right? If you're an organization, you want a guy like that, you don't want you want a Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady had the exact same. You want that kind of mentality in your organization. You don't want to have a guy who who went to arbitration, heard all those things, and then you know cut his nose off to spite his face by playing poorly and said, "Well, you guys were right and get rid of me." Uh, he, he's gone the other way and, and proving everybody wrong. And and I, you want that guy in your room, you want that guy in your crease, and you want that guy in your organization. Andrew Raycroft of Nesson and, of course, of WEI here with Gresham Fourier breaking down everything Bruins-related. Jim Montgomery, after the game, had a pretty interesting quote of the, hey, we were in X amount of time zones and X amount of games in X amount of days and had all the numbers and the stats worked out. And it seemed that he was, I don't know about pleased would be the right word, but he was okay with the way the team has played the last two weeks. What did you make of Monty's comments after last night's game? Uh, well, I, th- I thought he was bang on. And while I was sitting up at 2 in the morning all last week watching overtime game after shootout game, just trying to get out of that building like 10 minutes earlier <laughs> so I could get 10 more minutes of sleep praying for it not to go to overtime, um, by the third one, I, I like, and I got a little bit of sleep. I was thinking, you know what? Three overtime losses against these teams in, in this travel stretch over four days is actually good. Uh, they could have easily lost those games three nothing and and found a way to justify it, uh, and then to back it up with an overtime win in St. Louis and then come home and dominate the way they did yesterday. They, this team works in five game stretches and they got seven points out of ten. A seven hundred percent winning is is where they're at in the entire season. It puts them in second place in the entire National Hockey League. It turned out to be a, a, an absolutely fantastic nine days. And, and if they had been given seven points before it started, they would have taken them and, and skipped the whole thing. So I, I think it was very genuine. 
and and I think they feel great now that they have 11 of the next 13 games on home ice. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I saw some stat about how far ahead, like, how many, like, road games they have banked already. Like, the more than yeah. any other, more than, like, any other team in the, the NHL right now? Yeah, they're plus five now. They were plus six after that St. Louis game halfway through the season. So they've got a ton of away, uh, road, home games, I should say, uh, coming up. And, and they've gotten, they've just got the one more trip, three more, four more games out to Western Canada. And, and that's, everything else is Eastern. Everything else, they're in their bed at, at 12 o'clock after games. So they, they've certainly grinded it out. And Brad Marchand said it the other night, too, where they, he was asked about the dog days typically being January, February. And he said, feels like we've already gone through the dog days because of what our November, December schedule was and all the road games we had to play. So uh, this team will be energized. I think they have the opportunity to, to go on a run here in the next couple weeks just with all their home games and, and maybe make some more room between themselves and at least the third, fourth place teams in the division. Uh, Razor, is this team getting better at handling third periods? I know we've had those discussions over the past month or so. Do you think in terms of close and lay, closing things out, things like that, are you seeing the kind of improvement that you want to here as the season's gone along? Yeah, I think it's getting better. I think it's still difficult, um, especially when you're playing teams that are, are fighting for their lives. Because that's what the NHL, the, the playoffs have started for a dozen teams. I mean, you have to win every night. You have to keep pace. And, and the Bruins are playing some of those desperate teams when it comes to the third period. So the key for me in, this third, in these third periods for them is staying out of the penalty box. It, it, they've, they've taken a lot of minor penalties over the last couple of weeks, and, and it's taxing. And when they don't have Forbert, they don't have Carlo, uh, the real key for them in the third periods is to stay out of the box. And we saw that against New Jersey, uh, and hopefully we see that continuing. So you can always get better at closing out. You can get better at six on five, but I think they're getting a little more comfortable being in the close game. So we're talking to Andrew Razor Raycroft, and I'm curious, Almost at the, are we at the halfway point now, or is the All-Star game the official halfway point no we're yeah so officially we're past the halfway so yeah. we have 43 games now um technically it's it's kind of the all-star break like they've got these next five six games i believe get to the break then you get your your 10 days off and that really feels kind of halfway for everybody so so who's impressed you the most so far player wise or yeah. team wise player wise on the bruins player wise yeah maybe Prince a dark Frederick. horse maybe oh, okay why Trent Frederick's been awesome. Uh, his ability to step up, he had career highs in goals, assists last season, and we're wondering if he could take another step, and he, and he has. He's becoming a legit top 10 power forward in the league. Uh, he scored a great empty netter again last night, and the reason I think why is last year his skate continued to get better, and, and that carried through the summer, and I think his hockey sense, his little bit of experience has grown. And, and and filled in to that skating ability that he's he's gained as well. So he's getting to play so much quicker. He's on top of the puck so much quicker. And all of that's translating into confidence. So he's going to crush his career highs from last season. He could be a 40-point guy this year. And, and that's a huge upgrade and something that I, I don't think we were going to really expect him to make that kind of a jump. So for me, he's the guy that's really – put things together that I didn't expect at this level. 
Razor, I know that the trade market is complicated. The Bruins do not have a lot of cap space. They would have to subtract from the main roster to be able to add someone given how they really don't have a lot of money to spend. Uh, We've talked about this before in terms of there are a lot of teams that are up against it. But do you think as we start to head towards this all-star break, there will be teams that will be able to either start to figure it out or some teams will kind of run the white flag up the flagpole and say, all right, we know we're really not in it and start liquidating some assets. Do you see some some movement coming in terms of uh, the trade deadline and the hope that the Bruins can maybe find somebody cheap to help them get better? I keep asking um, people that actually know what's going on in the league and Uh, It feels and seems to them that it's after the All-Star break. So All-Star breaks in two weeks, two and a half weeks. Uh, Trade deadlines in about seven to eight weeks. It feels like people in the league think it'll open up just a little bit after the All-Star break. Uh, But everybody's really trying to count their pennies. And and because of the, the way they calculate on a daily basis, every day counts so much to these teams that they feel like it will have to be close to the deadline to open things up. Somebody will probably jump in a little early to try and take advantage, and once that happens, hopefully it breaks. Um, I I hope the Bruins are involved. I don't know what they can pull off or how they can do it, but you know the way that Don's done business over the last five years, that he's going to be working the phones on a daily basis to try and make it happen. Good stuff from our buddy Andrew Razor Raycroft with us on the Harbor One Hotline and back to a normal sleeping schedule after all the craziness last week. Most importantly, correct. So, yeah, drive home safe today. We got some real winter in New England. I love it. Like, (laughs) it's been nice. Oh, boy. Wait, hey, Razor, do you do you do the whole backyard ice rink at your house? Did you are you like I do. You do. Yeah, so done it this year until last week i put it in because i was watching the weather and this snow today is not making me too happy i'm really nervous about how it looks but we're gonna get like real cold five days here that my kids should be able to use it um for at least one day so we'll we'll take it here in new england it's a lot of work for one possibly one i just feel like the the dads that do that are really kind of kind of have a screw loose i'm not gonna lie yeah, no, I honestly, I it's just complete guilt. Like my kids <laughs> oh, okay. are on, like on my case nonstop. It's not, it's not a labor of love for me in any way whatsoever. It's complete guilt that at least fifteen years from now they can't complain that I didn't do a race. There like, you go. I right. feel like that's basically what I'm doing. Like okay. one less therapy session for them because I'm doing it. That's a boy. But what do you mean? You can't say that to the therapist. I actually built you an outdoor rink. Exactly. <laughs> good exactly. thinking, actually. Good good job by you. Yeah. Razor, thanks, yeah, buddy. Thanks. We... I don't think it'll help. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Razor, thanks, buddy. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you on Friday. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. There we go. There goes our uh, guy, Andrew Razor Raycroft, with us on the I, Harbor I, One Hotline. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here 
on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. All right, so there we go. You uh, heard it from uh, tip to tail, the uh, Gerard Mayo press conference. And oh, boy. Um, I'm going to give you three real quick takeaways. It sounds like Mayo has no idea what he wants to do on offense. Uh, It sounds like that uh, we're very much entering into the kindler, gentler New England Patriots, you know. We're not going to, we might not talk to everyone as tersely as we used to around here because it kind of sounds like that's a big deal that maybe we need a little more bum padding going on. Mm -hmm. And then number three, I know Robert Kraft at the end was like, the only time we've weighed in with personnel is if it's people of a nefarious background. Or, yeah, or did something bad while they were employed. Right. Uh, and the crafts also knew that on the whole, they had a guy who would listen to them, but would not maybe digest what they're saying. They now have their guy who will say, of course, sir, what would you like to do? Yeah. It feels like Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft, who wasn't there, which is curious, are grabbing control of the organization and have a, well, I know this guy will listen to me mentality. That's what I come away with right away. What's your Well, my, my number one thing um, is your num- was your number one thing. It just looks like he doesn't know what he wants to do. Yep. He doesn't have a clue what he wants to do on offense. He doesn't know how. Usually they have an idea of what they want to be as far as an offense because that was the big question. He doesn't know if he's going to keep. And now who he hires is going to – is going to be an obvious sign of what type of offense he wants. Mm-hmm. He wants, uh, and it may not be Bill O'Brien. It may not be anybody we've ever heard of. It may be somebody totally new who also has to adopt his way of thinking, which is get to know your guys first, let them speak their mind, you know, and then uh, ask them if they will do this drill. Mm. Ask them. Ask them. Ask them if they're if willing they, to do this drill. I love that. Ask them if they're willing. Yeah. Whereas in the football world, it's normally – we sort do of it. tell you what to do. Like, yeah, we're going to run a combo blocking. Why? Oh, because we're going to – they run it forward. I just went over this. It means – but why? Can you just please do the drill? Well, I'm, no. Gerard told me that. I got to get – I get to ask you why. Oh, no matter where you work from these days, take Gresh and Fourier with you on the Odyssey app. Favorite WEI. Oh, Thunder Buddies. That was uh, Kraft and Mayo. The one thing we uh, took away from Gerard Mayo was uh, calling him Thunder. Andy Hart will join us uh, next hour, and we do get to uh, catch up on some bidness. 617-779-7937. Let's go to Mike in the car. Mike, go ahead with Gresham Fourier. Good, good, good afternoon, guys. Uh, watching that, listening to that press conference, uh, it's not really much optimism for me. Uh, I think Gresham kind of nailed it. So some things that stuck out to me is, first off, there was really a lack of respect for Belichick. Kraft had every right to move on. Uh, I didn't agree with it, but he had every right to move on. I thought there was constant cheap shots by Mayo, passive-aggressive shots at Belichick, which weren't really very receptive. And there was other problems I had with it was, that Mayo basically has no idea what the offense is going to be. What, what reason for optimism is it right there? Well, I mean, Belichick is the only person who's being replaced. 
Kraft is basically saying the entire problem with the New England Patriots organization was Bill Belichick. And it's very frustrating listening to Kraft basically say, I'm going to be in charge of the draft without saying it. He, he couldn't just come out and say that. I mean, everyone knows right now that Bob Kraft and Jonathan are controlling the Patriots draft. They want to be Jones. What's hmm. Jones won since he got rid of uh, Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer that one year, but he's won nothing. And it's basically just, it's a Jones type of production here. Just call yourself the GM, make Jonathan director of player operations. The, the uh, There was just no optimism at all. I mean, congrats to Mayo. He's a good guy. I have no problem with moving on. And if they did an actual search, again, uh, Gerard Mayo's a patriot. He's a good guy. He knows he's, he's smart. But that press conference was very depressing. You see that this is going to be the craft organization. We're basically Dallas post Jimmy Johnson. And that's very depressing because they've done jack and squat. And, 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 and Bob Kraft is going to hide. I mean, does he think the fans are stupid that, that Jonathan couldn't be there? He knows that everyone in the Patriots fan base is kind of putting two and two together who the leak's been when it's a source close to the organization. Everyone, if you Mike use your is. Path, <laughs> Mike, think, Mike, we got to oh, run, geez, buddy. No, listen, job, you're, Mike. no, Mike, you did a great job. You're hot. We just got to kind of get the moving along. Uh, thoughts on what Mike had to say. Well, there's a part of it where, well, listen, uh, I didn't know I was going to have a comment because I thought we were actually breaking. But um, I agree with him. That the one question where he asked, which, which we both agreed during the press conference, it's a yes or no answer. That's right. And, and nobody cares about the process, what you're evaluating. No. Are you going to hire a GM? Yes or no? Well, we're still in the evaluation process. But, okay, we don't care how you get there. Is your goal to hire a GM? Well, we still got to evaluate this guy, and maybe we like to promote from within. Okay, but still, do you want a GM? The uh, answer should just be yes or no. Right. Yes, and we will get one there. Yeah, you're right. Instead, it became, uh, we'll announce someone before the draft who has the final say. God help us all. Is Crash and Fourier on WEEI. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. Can I? There's something that's really bothering me about the Jonathan Kraft piece of all this. Um, There was no Jonathan Kraft here at all. And Robert Kraft said there was. Basically, something came up. An emergency. From a, yeah. Like the, the fire alarm went off. All right. Now, when I go to the craft group website, I see Robert, Jonathan, Danny Craft, and then Josh, who is in the philanthropic end of the Myra Craft Foundation and all that stuff, right? So Josh has way less to do with football, but... Danny Kraft, there's a major issue going on in the Kraft Group organization. And it says right on their website that Danny Kraft is a part of that group, maybe seeing overseeing a little more international based on, on what I'm reading. So he could be there, but Jonathan couldn't. Because we noted it on the stream. We were kind of joking around. Danny's kind of the, you know, guy who'll like sit down and have a drink or something like that. Walking around in just blue jeans and a shirt with his water bottle. Looking like, you know, just a normal guy, not like a business executive. But if something rose to the level of Jonathan Kraft's attention within the Kraft group, but his brother, who has less to do with the football team than Jonathan does, is there. 
Am I uh, being a dink for bringing this up or at least wondering? You have something that requires Jonathan's attention, and yet Danny, great guy, down there hanging out, watching the whole thing. I mean, but, but why make up a lie? Why? What, what was like? What would what would the perception be if he showed up and he's just not sitting on stage? Like, what, why would you have to now make it up so people? Why? No, now you're getting to it. The how come you're not up there, Jonathan? Well, and then he. There was, were only two they, chairs from the very beginning. The first photo yeah. that we saw, there were two chairs sitting there, and you knew it would be for Robert and for and for Gerard Mayo. Now, who knows? Maybe there is something mega going down, and Danny is just like, yeah, fine, John, go handle it. It's your thing, whatever, da-da-da. But it was just very curious to me that Danny Kraft was there, Jonathan wasn't, but I think you're you're sort of getting on to it. Hey, you're the president of the team. How come you're not up there? Well, he did say that they basically share the responsibilities, but he's he's one. But he's been Jonathan the one is, who is front facing yeah, forward on every big move. Absolutely, because he because he is still the face of the program of the uh, organization, and eventually he will pass it on. But it'll be when he's got one foot in the grave. He's not giving over control or the status of being the number one in charge ever until he's forced to do it. Interesting. Just like any, all the other owners, none of all these owners in the NFL, they hold on to power, like literally until the, until like the clock t- ticks zero, or until the other until you can look at the other owners. Which again, what was it? Uh, Robert Kraft had mentioned in that two o'clock press conference after Bill had left. The well after the third Super Bowl is when things started to change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You won three out of four. There wouldn't be an owner in the NFL that wouldn't have given up the control like Robert Kraft did. They all would have been, let's chase, let's chase it. I need to keep you here? Great. I'll give you power. I don't care. And then you get to the point where you're like, damn, I really wish I didn't do that in the moment. And there's a lot of that feeling. Holy hell. I uh, Here's the one thing I do know. Apparently everything's going to be collaborative down there. I guess I'll talk to all the offensive staff before the call play. I guess they'll talk to everybody in the organization before they make a pick. If you even know who they're going to be the guy that it lands in their lap to make the pick. You know what collaboration screams to me? A, a, a kitchen full of chefs all wanting to make their own dish. That's what it screams to me. It's the, again, my crippling fear was the, there are going to be people who are just, grab the power, grab the power, just grabbing it, grabbing it, grabbing it. It feels like there's some of that going on, and Gerard Mayo is like, "Hey, man, I'm happy to be in the role that I'm in. We'll figure it out as we go." Isn't it fair to to believe that he doesn't know what he wants to do because he's incapable because he's never been in this position before? Sometimes you have a guy that's a coordinator, right, or by himself, stand alone, doesn't collaborate with anybody, or they're a head coach at high school or college. They made mistakes. They set up standard protocol. They have protocol that they put in, and this is what I do. This is my schedule, and this is how I do this, and this is what I want to do. And I, oh, and he says, oh, hey, they've always been a game-specific team, you know, like, and we change with the times. Uh, and he also says, well, like, okay, you got to be flexible. Okay. However, like, that's what everybody is used to. They're not used to one mindset, one mindset where we are going to run the ball at all costs. We are always going to go five wides. We are never. We are, we are never going to pick up a blitz. We're gonna. We're always going to throw hot. Like he doesn't have anything to to lean on, other than he's been a position coach and a player. 
So he's obviously, you know, has a, has a track record, but running the show and developing your own kind of way Voice. of life. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. What I heard is the guy that doesn't really know, but he keeps using the word evaluating as a way to get out of it. Because he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know who his offensive coordinator is. He doesn't know who's going to be available. So why say I'm going to you know, bite off a kneecap when that's not him? I also think that Gerard Mayo told us without telling us that he's really not going to have much say in personnel at all. And he doesn't. And he also, what I hear, is like a guy that doesn't necessarily need it. Interesting. Or want it. Well, yeah, because he hasn't fought the battles do you, yet. You want to do, they'll say, hey, you're going to drown yourself. You're going to take on water. You can't handle everything. You better get some people you can trust in the weight room, in uh, scouting, and say, listen, you're the one out in the road in, like, you know, uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. What do you see? He's going to have to trust them. And a lot of those guys are probably already in the building. I would uh, I would think so, definitely. But then again, can Gerard Mayo look at a personnel department and say, here's what I value? Here's he what should. I want you. He yes. should. He's gonna, he if, needs to change it. But, but if he's answering the question on the offense as kind of a, well, we'll wait and see, then then what is he telling the scouts? Yeah, that is important because all he's going to do is say, here are your papers. Okay, they open it up. I want this, this. Okay, I maybe he only wants speed. Maybe he's an Al Davis. I am going to recklessly draft speed even though the guy's not a football player. I'm going to go draft all the 100-meter U.S. Olympians. Right. I'm going to put them out on the uh, at the Z position, open side, and tell them to just run. Yeah, but I can't really catch. You'll, well, quarterback's going to be so good, he's going to drop it in the bucket. Joining us now on the uh, Harbor One Hotline, so much to talk about with our guy, Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. Baldy is brought to us by Old Spice because men have skin too and by Wise Snacks. No one does crunchy, salty, and cheesy better than Wise Snacks. Baldy, it's Gresham Fourier. Good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, guys. I'm doing well, man. Good to be with you. And, uh, well, let's start with uh, last time we talked, you were headed down to the uh, Hula Bowl in Orlando. Uh, I'm curious because, as you know now, Bill is out of the building. There's change in Foxborough. The draft has uh, never been more important in some ways here in New England. I'm just curious as to, you know, some of the talent you uh, maybe saw that sort of just stood out to your trained eye. Uh, they had, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, the hula bowl isn't the senior bowl, right. but, um, I think there's probably six or eight players from the hula bowl that will be drafted. There's some linemen that look pretty promising, uh, a couple quarterbacks that might get drafted late, you know, and, uh, and I think there's some tight ends that looked, uh, looked promising that can double up as an F back, a fullback, uh, H back. I mean, they look like because of the style of offenses that they ran. Uh, they look like they have uh, some multiple position value to them. So, I mean, there's no first round picks or anything like that there. But it was it was 250 scouts that were there. I saw the general manager of the Steelers. I mean, it was well represented. So, kids got a good look. Yeah. So back to like the Patriots and uh, Gerard Mayo. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, uh, as for a first year head coach, what do you think like a couple of the most important hires would be for him? Like, what would he? What would well, be most important for him? It sounds like, you know, he's going to hire uh, – it doesn't sound like he's going to call plays, you know, from the defensive side. So he needs coordinators. You know, you need your your play caller. What's the offense going to be? What's the design? Is it something from the Shanahan tree or 
McVay tree or, you know, where, where's it coming from and what's the style of offense that you want? That's, that's his imprint. Uh, what's the style of defense that, that he wants and who's going to uh, resurrect that and direct that. And then special teams wise, which they've always been pretty good. Um, what are they going to do? I mean, those are the three most important hires. And then I would say strength and conditioning is always important. Um, you know, the guy's got to develop physically. And so I think that's always a big part of any hire. Yeah, so, yeah, because the, the one thing I had mentioned, and, and I'm, I thought you may have, uh, you were going to say it, because I feel like the, obviously the offensive coordinator, that is those defensive coordinators, that's obvious. Special teams, of course, they just have to feel the role. Uh, most people don't consider uh, the weight staff, the strength and conditioning staff important, but they, it obviously is one of the cornerstones of any organization. But what about like a, a brainiac type guy? What about like a, hey, listen, I won't let you make this mistake guy, like game management guy. I don't even know if they have a title for that, right? Because they wouldn't, wouldn't like, I feel like the, the toughest thing for him that he can't prepare for is in-game situational management. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're like, I, I don't know how, um, you know, how up the food chain that is to hire somebody like that. But generally people hire some young kids that have that type of awareness and, you know, whether it's analytics or down distance, uh, what's the what's the command chain for instant replay? I mean, all those kind of things. Um, generally, uh, you fill those those positions in. I would I would I don't want to neglect either the offensive line coach. It seems like since Dante Scarnecchia uh, left the first time, they fell apart. And then when he left the second time, it seemed like they fell apart. So uh, find yourself a good offensive line coach that. Uh, can develop players and put a system in place where your quarterback is going to get protected. Brian Baldinger, Odyssey NFL Insider, here with Gresh and Fourier. Insider Calls brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 miniaturization because men have skin too. Uh, Baldy, as, uh, as you look at sort of what has kind of gone on in the playoffs here, Dallas with a very disappointing one and done. Philadelphia just completely collapsed. Looks like Mike McCarthy's going to stay. Do you have an idea or a feel as to maybe what they should do in Philadelphia? And because guys like Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel are out there, is it something that, you know, Philly should really consider here, given the way their roster is at this point? Well, they uh, they lost Monday night, and it's Thursday morning, and nothing has been said outside of some players, you know, basically uh, coming to the rescue of Nick Sirianni. Uh, but it seems like a, an awful long time has gone on uh, between that loss and how ugly it was and the collapse that we all witnessed over the last six weeks and Thursday morning here. So uh, it seems like uh, maybe it's – you know, I mean, I'm sure like there, there's some back channels here where maybe they're talking to Belichick and they don't want Nick to know. I mean, I, I don't really know these things, but I don't know who would. I mean, it's a pretty airtight uh, facility at NovaCare in Philadelphia. But, you know, you might want to kind of feel it out. I know there's a great deal of respect um, with Mr. Laurie and Bill Belichick. Uh, they have scrimmaged each other when Chip Kelly was the coach here. They always scrimmaged each other up there and, and down here in Philadelphia. Uh, they were always around Mr. Kraft and Mr. Laurie kind of mingling a little bit. There's always been a great deal of respect. So um, I would think that would – and, you know, there are certain players that have uh, kind of texted me said he thinks everybody's going to get blown out. But that hasn't happened, so I don't know. Hey, do you, are you surprised that Mike McCarthy's staying in Dallas? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess regular season wins is really important. 
to uh, to Jerry Jones. I mean, it seems like you know that's uh, because you know a lot of teams, a lot of guys, a lot of quarterbacks and coaches can win a lot of regular season games. They they go to kaput in the playoffs, and so uh, I played in Dallas. I know how quarterbacks get measured there. You either win championships or you're just uh, in a big pile of guys on the other side that were good players and were the star and probably uh, you know were really good in the community and good guys after they get done playing. Uh, like some of them that are on TV now. But, uh, you know, if you want to win championships, that's like a different medal, and you've got to prove that in the playoffs. And Dak hasn't done that, and the team hasn't done it. Yeah, Baldy, that's why I wonder um, if if the issue is the roster. You know, like uh, uh, Jason Garrett went as far as he could. Then they make the move here, and, you know, Kellen Moore is out, and, and Mike McCarthy end up, in theory, getting more power because he's the guy now uh, calling the plays. And I don't know, like, is that roster as good as we think it is to where you just change the coach? Or do we now start to look at certain parts of the roster and be like, okay, maybe that's where the change needs to happen now in Dallas? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I mean, I thought Green Bay just executed at a high level. I mean, they threw some trap defenses out there. Dak threw it right into them. They set the cheese and he took it. You know, next thing you know, Darnell Savage is, you know, going 59 yards for a touchdown or 64, whatever it was. Um, you know, that's, that's coaching. That's uh, game planning uh, at the highest level. Uh, and then the quarterback was sensational on the other side. That's what you expect that to be, what Jordan Love was. I mean, throwing off his back foot and putting the ball exactly where it has to be placed and uh, route combinations that are attacking the defense. Uh, and then, you know, the ability to run the ball the way Green Bay is running the ball in the, with the diversity of how they do it, with the tight end play, it looks different than what Dallas does. Uh, is Matt LaFleur a better coach? I don't know, but they were much better prepared and had a much better game plan than the Cowboys did. And that comes down to coaching. So we're talking to Brian Baldinger, um, Odyssey NFL insider. Um, and, uh, Baldy, I'm, I'm curious, like, how well do you know Arthur Blank, owner of the Atlanta Falcons? Pretty well. Pretty well? I know Arthur what- pretty good. Yeah, I've had, a, I've had some end-of-the-season conversations with and mid-season conversations about his coaches in the past. Do would you would you call him a pushover? No, no, uh, no, uh, no. You don't want to be on the bar, You don't want to be on the wrong side of Arthur Blank. Yeah, no. so I'm curious. No. And I'm curious how, how that relationship. It seems like. And would you label the Atlanta Falcons team right now as we sit as a um, a talented team that is underachieving? Yes, I would label it that. I would say that. Now they have a they have quarterback issues for sure. And, um, you know, that's why they got bounced out of the playoffs. They, had, they were in a position to, to win the division. And then they collapsed down the stretch with what they had at that position. So, I mean, they have to upgrade that in, a, in the worst way. But the roster around that is pretty good. Um, is, can they win a Super Bowl? I don't know. But they, the, the roster is good enough to get – the talent's good enough there to, you know, to get to the playoffs for sure. Do you think they can win 16 games in two years? Well, Baldy, I wonder how much having a guy like Rich McKay in the building is sort of, you know, what gives Belichick maybe some ease in walking into that situation. Because when Arthur Blank announced, yeah, we're going to do it. And uh, yeah, you know, Terry Fontenot will be a part of the search, almost like threw that in there. Like, yep. And when the new guy comes in, he'll just shove him right out the door. Like, I, I wonder how much a guy like Rich McKay in this situation might kind of be some sort of secret sauce in either connecting Bill and Arthur Blank or just having a, a vested veteran like that in the building 
in a guy like uh, McKay, if that kind of pushes it over the top for a guy like Belichick? Well, I would say Richard McKay was highly responsible for bringing in, you know, former Patriot personnel people like Dimitrov and Scott Pioli. And so there's certainly a pipeline there that exists that's real. Uh, now, you could argue the job that they did, they did get to a Super Bowl uh, with those guys there. So, you know, it's not like they haven't had success. But, you know, Rich McKay is a survivor. He's He's been there. I mean, I used to do the Falcon preseason games 20 years ago, and Rich McKay was, you know, he was a GM back then. And so he's 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 got a pretty pretty big role with that organization, and he carries some pretty big weight, you know, as an intermediary with him and and Mr. Blank. Interesting. Uh, we've got Kansas City going to Buffalo this weekend. Is this a big moment in the career of Patrick Mahomes? In your mind, Brian Baldinger, first road playoff game, and it's in Buffalo. And there's no other way to say it. It's going to be cold as balls up there. Yeah, well, it's not going to be as cold as what Pat Mahomes was throwing through the other night, you know, against the Dolphins. So uh, he just proved that uh, there is no condition that's going to knock Patrick Mahomes off his game. He's the best player in the league. He's been the best player in the league. Whether he wins or loses, um, you know, he's he's going to be right back where he's at right now next year. It's just going to happen. So, I mean, he's just a, a force of nature. And, um, I mean, it's, I think we all wanted to see this. I was – saying literally two weeks ago that I hope Miami um, – I hope Buffalo could go down and beat Miami Week 18 just so that Josh Allen's in the playoffs. I mean, we have to kind of sit back and watch this thing. It's just it's just that entertaining, these two players. We've seen tremendous playoff games, regular season games. I think this – I think they've played against each other seven times now. And it's always either – it always seems like it's a three-point game. And it comes down to, uh, you know, nail-biting time in the fourth quarter. So we, we get it. I think we just, just should enjoy it. But, you know, look, Patrick Mahomes going on the road. I mean, eventually, I think you think you're not going to play a whole career and just play home playoff games. So I don't think this is – I don't think it phases him at all. I mean, his preparation, focus, what he is, who he is, I don't think it's going to change because they're up in Orchard Park. Great stuff, Baldy. We appreciate you. Thanks a bunch. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, guys. Take care now. There See goes uh, Brian Baldinger, and he was brought to us by – uh, Old Spice, because men have skin, too. They uh, they sponsor the uh, insider calls here on Gresham Fourier. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 